Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, jot down our information and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Well, today it's just the three of us. Yes. It's been a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll be discussing the topic of defunding, abolishing the police. But just to remind folks, they can also, folks can just also find us on a separate episode that we did similar uh, um, to what we're going to be discussing about, but on a different path today on what's left and on our blog. And on YouTube, if it's still up, if we're still existing there, because we just got uh, uh, another strike or another punishment. <laughs> Medical <Thank you>. information. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Everyone's rejecting us. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So about a year ago, we made an episode um, on June 6th, uh, we, uh, we uploaded an episode um, called uh, George Floyd, White Blacks, Bla Why Black Lives Matter. Uh, and in that show, uh, we talked about, you know, the topic of uh, the police, the role of racism in society. Uh, and I expressed some concerns over um, you know, the movement not growing beyond this racial um, frame and uh, my concern was that um, when the other shoot came down, you know, the, the policing was going to come down harder on the communities that we were trying to protect, especially, you know, the black community that's already policed, black and brown communities. Um, and so we've had an election in the meantime. You know, we've gone through uh, the rest of COVID, uh, the shutdowns and all that stuff. And... Now I started to see a trend in the news, especially liberal media covering the issue of crime. Uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, BBC News, uh, ex expressing basically the refocus of majors in the, in, in the US, especially liberal, liberal cities, you know, like San Francisco, New York, Ch Chicago, uh, the need of those majors to refocus on um, the crime that is happening, the increase, the uptick in crime. And, at the same time, uh, Joe Biden really has been bold in saying he will double down on police, basically. And last, uh, I actually, um, uh, on June 23rd, he actually expressed that he was going to suggest using COVID funds to increase poli the police force in our communities. Um, I've also heard anecdotal, you know, um, accounts of places like in San Francisco and the Tenderloin where People, there is more police presence than before. Uh, there's also, uh, in the New York Times, there was recently a story, uh, actually May, May 21st, where uh, the San Francisco, um, um, a, a, report, a New York Times reporter that lives in San Francisco made a story about um, how uh, petty crimes, uh, shoplifting, all this stuff, it, it's been increasing in San Francisco. Uh, however, uh, that's been refuted. It's, uh, 
So that's been refuted by the Center on Juvenile and Criminal Justice, saying that even the police reports show that there is no uptick. But however, the narrative uh, is that there is an increase in petty crime, um, that retailers are closing because of the petty crime. You know, never mind that we went through a whole pandemic, never mind that there is a whole restructuring of the way we purchase things. Um, however, the focus again is on some of the uh, policies and they're attacking Chesa Boudin, the district attorney of San Francisco, as uh, being the culprit or one of the culprits of being too loose on crime, basically. So my, my, my concern is here, what is happening? You know, why are we talking about funding the police when we went through a year, you know, where there was, uh, at least at the beginning, looting, rioting, according to the media, uh, massive protests, you know, where we, the, the beginning of the movement was about abolishing the police, then it moved to defund the police, and now suddenly the, 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 the focus is on funding the police. So where are the dissenting voices? You know, so why are we here? What has transcurred this time? And that's what I'm curious to explore with you too. I think um, there is a, a growing um, a fear amongst many if you can, if people in the liberal circles, even when I look at the New York elections, um, one of the candidates was running on the campaign of making sure that there is safety on the streets and the whole focus was on making sure that uh there is some reform approach and that there is enough police presence to make our city safe because this is there's been a rise not just here in the bay area but across this this country and so uh and so i think progressives and liberals have well just the left in general has been faced with uh the growing strong question of what do we do no how do you deal with sort of the homicides the crime the violence and just any sort of just the violence that exists within especially urban cities and so i i have been struggling to order to answer that question because i think it, to me it, it it's not when i when i talk about the police i think of what potentially could happen like in it happens in mexico where you have community organizers not necessarily policing anyone because they don't have to police anybody but they take care and they're armed forces they, they take care of their community but that that concept is so hard because we live in us in a in a country where everything is so structurally centered around punishment and and making sure that there are uh in, it's an incarcerated sort of culture here so i i'll just express my initial thought is just sort of mm, i've been struggling how to answer those questions uh i know that in oakland as well there have been projects to to try to to de-escalate or uh drama informed approaches to deal with folks and it's still being questioned and it's still being um criticized so so I, I look forward to this conversation well i'm gonna there's a quote from a i think this was one of the articles um one of the articles uh that kenny sent out that kicked this off and it said that said this that i think is very interesting it said strategists in both parties say the pandemic Long the dominant issues on voters' minds, 
is beginning to recede as more Americans get vaccinated and deaths decline, opening the door for other issues to capture people's attention. Now, we all here know that the pandemic is a narrative, like the narrative around the pandemic was created by the ruling class, by the capitalist class. The fear that they drove towards making the structural changes they wanted to make so they could collapse the economy, so they could reorganize the economy, so they could essentially build this world that we now describe roughly as big data analytics in the fourth industrial revolution and get people on dashboards with vaccines. The pandemic didn't make that happen. The ruling class narrative around the pandemic is what made that happen. And it's funny that they're, they, they, they basically expose their game here, which is they say, well, we're, this narrative is now coming to an end. It isn't actually. We're, it's, they're wrong to say that. They're going to be using that pandemic narrative over and over again. But they are right to say, well, we have a new narrative now. And the new narrative is the cities are on fire due to crime and that they're going to get more dangerous over the summer. And that we have, and, and one party is saying, uh, the Republican Party is saying, look what the Democrats did. Look what the, the left wing of the, of the cap, you know, did. Basically, they, they demoralized our police force. And now the crime is running rampant through the streets. And here they go. And look, and the Democrats are saying, okay, no, 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 we didn't do that. That's not what we did. We're for actually strengthening the laws. We're, we're actually strengthening the police. And we're for getting rid of people's guns. Like, we're going to take your guns away from you. That's our kind of thing. That's what we'll be doing, you know. And so, and by the way, the Democrats are basically also saying, we got to kind of push this stuff about defund the police to the side now, because we don't want to, we don't want to lose our majority in the 2022 congressional seat elections, right? Well, here's the reality that violent crime is down um, by half from what it was in the 1990s. And there has been what they say is a recent uptick in violent crime, what they describe as violent crime. They do not describe violent crime as the U.S. continuing its op op occupation of Afghanistan with private forces. They do not describe violent crime as, uh, as attempting coups in South America. They do not describe violent crime as, crim as criminalizing our border and making people die as they cross across here. They do not describe violent crime as bombing Syria and Iran or Iraq. That, those aren't violent crimes. That's the U.S. just doing its thing. Violent crimes are what they describe as people, working people who are caught doing stuff or might not have done stuff. Who knows? So that though, what they're describing narrowly as violent crime is actually half. It's like it's it's cut by half since 1990 and it's had a recent uptick. Now, property crime, property crime has actually had a six percent decline. They say crime overall, including rapes, robbery and other property crime dropped by 6% in 2020. Now that's not true because there's massive property crime by the capitalists, but again, we're talking about the property crime that, that they actually put on the books that the police are there to do, the police are there to, to go after, which is work, working class crime. So that crime is lower than it was, 6% lower under 2020, okay? So what is happening right now is a narrative is being made to say, why we have to forget everything that was said about defund the police and abolish the police, like Kenny was saying. Um, and there were two episodes we did. We did one about the George Floyd movement, and then we did another episode the next week, which was defund the police or derail the movement. Which one is it? Well, we know the answer now. The answer was derail the movement. 
And that's what's happened because now the Democrats are doing exactly what we said they would do, which is they're, they're, not, they're not defunding a single police office. The guy in, in Minneapolis right now is, is actually trying to get more police back on the streets and they're going to use cheap police because they're, go, they're going from, they're uh, recruiting from the new, the new ranks. So they've actually done exactly what we said the Minneapolis police would do, which is they abolish the police so they can get rid of some police. Now they get new police and a, and a whole new flood back in, but are cheaper. That's what they done, did in New Jersey. And that's what they're doing in Minneapolis right now. So that was always a lie. And we, that's what we said it was. And now it's been proven. And Joe Biden, it's not something to come. He's already said $350 billion of the $1.9 trillion that was being earmarked for the America Relief Fund. He basically said, any of that you want to use to, to re, to, to re, to, for the police, for the police, and also for the FBI and for uh, surveillance technology that the FBI use, any of that money you want to use for it, go ahead. That's what he basically said. And if you, if you basically, and if you remember, we were talking about $25 million of cuts in San Francisco, maybe even though that was going to be much lower than what it was for other places. Well, that's not on the board anymore. Now it's about, it's about beefing up the police to pre-pandemic levels and beyond the, pan, uh, the, the pandemic levels. That's what they're talking about. So this, this basically exposes a few things. One, the Democrats, it, what, was, what was Joe Biden doing? Joe Biden was at the, at the funeral of George Floyd. He was at that funeral. And Black Lives Matter said, come on to our funeral. Let, let him do that. And has Black Lives Matter said anything about Joe Biden doing the $350 billion to the police? No. They're going to shut up because they don't want to lose it. Because that thing is, com is completely captured by the Democratic Party. The, the Black Lives Matter movement, it doesn't exist as an independent force. And the Democratic Party are doing exactly what, they're in, what, what their role is, which is redirecting all the anger that was about fighting racism and doing two things. Well, at least two things. One is they're going to, it's going to whip up racism. Well, they're going to make racism even worse for, for people because they're going to refund police and they're going to make the police stronger. And secondly, they're going to do appointments like we have now a new May. Well, the primaries in New York, that mayorship was won, at least for the Democratic primary, by a black mayor who is, who is a former police officer. So what you're going to have now are black people, black rulers now put in places to make sure that the police are, you know, trained properly and that they do that. But that's not what it's going to do. It. The police are going to be there. And the reason they have to refund the police and the reason the police must be expanded is not just because they, they like lying to us, but there has been gigantic criminality over these last, over this last year. And it was the, what's the amount? Uh, there was, I think it was $4.3 trillion that went upwards to the richest corporations. $4.3 trillion went from workers up to them. And they have more in, in planned in place. So if you're going to keep that kind of, if you're going to, if you're going to keep that kind of wealth, and if you're going to keep it separated from workers, then you're going to need a giant uh, police apparatus to make sure it's in enforced. And that's what's happened. So uh, this is the fruit of supporting the Democratic Party. And this is the fruit of thinking identity politics is the thing that's going to get, it, get you uh, out of this trap. And this is the fruit of a movement that was not able to be independent, that was captured way back in June, 
whose only role, and I actually will say it had one success, it got Trump out and put Biden in. And good luck. Look, look what it got you. It got you more police. So um, the movement accomplished its goal because its goal was never to fight racism. Its goal was never to, uh, 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 to, to actually deal with police brutality. Its goal, the, the stated goal of the, of the Black Lives, Ladder, Black Lives Matter, Le Matter leaders was to elect Joe Biden. And on, under an identity politics framework, and that's exactly what the, 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 uh, the Biden administration has delivered with all sorts of different people of different colors in one of the most authoritarian criminal um, regimes that we've had. Much more, much more authoritarian than Trump, actually, but much more colorful as well. So good luck with that. To me, this uh, also emphasizes, um, you know, the the entire apparatus that uh, creates narratives, right? Uh, you know, people like uh, or institutions like the New York Times are there not to sell you news, but to construct the narrative. You know, like you quoted earlier, uh, they literally are lying about you know some of the statistics. Uh, and they are caught lying and no one, there, there's no consequences for them. You know, they've done this with, when it comes to war, they did it with, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, they also, um, you know, speaking in, in inclusive rhetoric and um, while supporting and, uh, and advancing these racist uh, policies, right? Like if we remember what, what got George Floyd killed, you know, it was petty crime. What got, uh, what got Eric Garner killed? It was selling loose cigarettes in New York, you know, and so on and so on. What, what, what has gotten, you know, what got the Black Panthers and a lot of, you know, more revolutionary, uh, you know, uh, organizers in, in the U.S. killed? It was gun control. You know, all these laws are constantly, they're constructed to police people. They're not constructed to, to protect anybody, you know. Um, and especially when we talk about this petty crime narrative that's being constructed, um, it is it, so fascinating how, you know, all the arguments that you used to make, right? We need uh, um, safer communities, right? We need to address the pathologies of capitalism, you know, the, the, the houselessness. You know, we live in San Francisco in the Bay Area, one of the richest regions in the world, and we have some of the highest, you know, indices of um, Homelessness, that doesn't translate to petty crime or, or even criminality. Not even, it's not even close to the criminality that you mentioned, Lipson, you know, the, the literal murder, rape, uh, pillage that, you know, our ruling class does every day uh, within the margins of the law, you know, because that, that, that's what the police is. The police is the, you know, the, the monopoly of violence of the state. You know, they have the right to be brutal. Uh, and, you know, when we look back at... Um, What's his name? The guy who killed uh, George Floyd, uh, Chauvin. Yeah. Chauvin? yeah. Um, you know, uh, he didn't get get punished, quote unquote. You know, he didn't. Get, there was no justice because, you know, the the system works. It was he was thrown under the bus because he caused riots and looting. Right. That what the ruling class is really afraid because no Disney fight slogan is gonna make them afraid. You know, no voting is going to really make them afraid because that's rigged. You know, the, the only thing that makes them think is 
when people are really pissed. You know, um, a lot of times I think back to the civil rights movement and even some of the small gains that were made, uh, they were in, you know, they're made to be seen as, you know, as London B. Johnson and JFK, you know, uh, were, you know, these uh, mavericks of pr progressive values. They were pressured because people were raising hell. People were, you know, boycotting stuff. Um, so, again, this reformist vehicle is not a vehicle for trans social transformation. It's for more fascism, you know, and we, in, because that's what's going to happen. That's what I was afraid of was going to happen if we didn't advance this uh, struggle, you know, the BLM struggle beyond that uh, very narrow uh, scope you know, of looking at, at race as the motivator of, of, of police violence, as one bad apple being the reason uh, George Floyd died and not the whole institution, that the, the structure that is built to, you know, punish people and, and punish them so they accept the pillage, the, the, the daily theft that we're all subjected to, you know, the, the daily precarity that we are, you know, subjected to so we can be more desperate and sell our labor and not, and not think about organizing, you know, not, not think about, you know, looting. Uh, and that's why they need more police because they, they are planning, you know, to loot more. They are planning to create more precarity, you know, and they know the, the uh, potential unrest that could come up from that. Kenny and I live here in San Francisco and, you know, I, I have to look at the figures uh, I'm not quite sure what the demographics, but it's, I think, safe to assume that there's going to be a disproportionate um, um, uh, uh, amount of um, black and brown people that are going to be the ones who are going to, what is it, quantify the, the amount of people who are being arrested or being charged with the violence that is existing. You know? And... I, some of it may, there might just be violence, right? I, I don't want to deny that there might just be some domestic violence. There might be some real uh, heavy core stuff that might be going on in the city. Uh, but I also wonder how much of it is also quite categorized as violence because of drug, uh, because of the underground market or because of, um, you know, conflicts that arise with people or because of, you know, young people not having enough mentorship or not enough, you know, places to go, like with the reopening of schools and the closures, how much of that has contributed to a lot of what's been going on. So I'm, I, I really do want to see what, what would it fall under, but I also feel as if, even if I did, it still doesn't, it, it doesn't include the violence and the looting that happens by white collar crime or the rich as well. And so I feel as if it's still targeted towards the people who are struggling, the working class people who are under capitalist pressures and who have a lot of uh, <laughs> maybe pent up energy or not enough outlets for our young, for our youth. Uh, I feel as if a lot of the violence that we have uh, it comes from trauma. It comes from people who have been in the cycles of poverty that continue to be fest have these festered uh, trauma um, um, 
legacies in their families or in their neighborhoods. And this is all as a result of capitalism, right? Because you have a bunch of people who are just going to be pushed in one corner of the city and they're going to be sticking around their, their group of people and they're going to be uh, not enough resources that are going to be allocated for those communities. So I, I do uh, feel as if they, there would be many approaches that we could take, such as restorative justices or any sort of uh, way to deal with it. But ultimately, even if we had all those approaches, it would be very difficult to implement any sort of holistic way to deal with the problems that we have, because we're still living in a system that is going to ultimately squash or squander or not going to uh, allow for those approaches to come to its full fruition if we still are living under a system that sees incarceration as the answer or the system that we live in, which is a capitalist system, as anything that is profit-driven as the answer to deal with issues. For example, if you're just encouraging youth or encouraging people that this competitive lifestyle that we're living in the society is how we should live, dog eats dog, of course, we're going to have the violence that we have because that's how capitalism thrives. We have to be able to live in a system that is competitive and everyone else must be pushed down. And the people who are at the bottom, like the poor, are the ones who are then killing each other because they're the ones who are left with all their, these devices of, 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 of uh, well, I don't have much to do or have much inspiration. I don't have much to live for. And they're going to do what they're going to do. And we just ignore it by putting those people in some neighborhood, in some place, either uh, gentrifying their areas or even just uh, well, just incarcerating them. And police is what we what we try to uh, in this society is to find the solution for. So I I was listening to Upfront, which I encourage folks to listen to on on this one episode, and it was on KPFA, and it was last Thursday, and it was a show on violence in Oakland. And they invited um, uh, some some of the um, people to come in from Oakland, and they discussed a lot of the things that are happening that I just talked about, but in depth about it, about the cycles of violence and in depth trauma that has uh, perpetuated within those communities, as well as uh, some alternative approaches that we can take. What was missing from the conversation, though, was this emphasis on class and the emphasis on uh there was i think some mention of capitalism but there was a uh, they were missing out on the the, the uh, on on tearing down this entire system completely to be able to uh keep those approaches sustainable because it isn't sustainable to have some of the uh uh approaches that they were talking about holistic approaches to deal with crime to deal with violence to deal with um, youth um, estrangement and lack of will to continue living in this very, uh, you know, competitive world. And I just feel like if, if they could have discussed more of that, but I'll link it. And I just think that sometimes when people look at black and brown communities, they oversimplify why there is this 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 the violence that is happening in those communities and so i they do a great analysis of it and i feel like i won't do any good dis, i'm doing a disservice but again I, I my point here is just to mention that 
it's beyond an holistic approach, right? I'll just stop there. Maybe I remember a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree that the black and brown communities are more violent. I actually agree with the, what we've seen is a massive increase in the violence of the capitalist class and their willingness to use the police force to, um, to make sure people get, got robbed. Like, first of all, capitalism is organized around daily theft. That's what profits are. Profits are stealing the value of, work, of workers' work from them, okay? So that's always there. But when we, I found the number. When we talk about $3.4 trillion that, that went upwards because, and businesses were shut down, businesses, businesses didn't shut down of their, own, of their own volition. Now, yes, there was a fear narrative that got people to do it. But what was in place? If businesses chose not to shut down, who was going to make sure that they were shut down? The police. The police were there to make sure that they happened. The police are there to make sure that schools aren't going to be open in case workers got the idea that we want to open them. So the police and the military, potentially, if they needed to go there, that is the, that is the they're not just being directed at one sort of crime, you know, to ignore another. The police are involved in criminality. They're involved in the crime of stealing the wealth of workers and directing it towards the capitalists. Now, the, cap the capitalist class organizes that, but the police aren't just pointed at the wrong target. Their, their target is the working class. So, so you can't talk about reforming the police or even abolishing the police. That's why we said before, without talking about abolishing capitalism. And you can't talk about actually having kids, the kids you're talking about, Eduardo, living that kind of life of dignity or getting real services. It's not a question of sustainable. This won't be allowed under capitalism because there's no money in it, because there's no profits to be made out of it. If there was, they would do it. And they will be doing that under the human impact, the human impact stuff that Allison's talking about. They're going to be, that's, they're, they're going to find ways of financializing so-called helping kids. You know, and we're going to see that it's going to become more and more a feature, but it's not. It's actually about disenfranchising them. So the way, Eduardo, we're going to get to that society, I'm not going to say this is the way, but one of the features of getting to that society where we get to determine our own lives for ourselves collectively is, we're, is part of that is we're all going to have to all be armed or, or workers are going to have to arm themselves. And I want to point that out because that is going to be a feature of revolution. That's not the next step per se, but it is a feature of the revolution that, that must happen if wealth is going to be stripped from the people who've stolen it from us and brought it down here. So that part of that, so there are two ways in which the ruling class is preparing to make sure that that revolution never, never happens. Number one, it's to make sure that the police are funded hugely, okay? And number two, it's to do gun regulation laws. And it's to basically say, we're going to strip guns away from people. Now, they've been able to trick people into say, oh, this is about taking, and this is the Democrats. This is, again, the Democrats playing the trick game and saying, like, on one, on one hand, you have the Republicans saying, look, the borders are, the borders are crazy. You know, this is, this is another part of the violence that we need to prepare for. This is why we also need our, our police here, because the borders are crazy. By the way, Biden is continuing to put kids in cages and not getting, not doing any, no one's doing anything about it. No one's saying anything about it because it's, he's no longer Trump. Um, but secondly, the Democrats are saying, no, it's not, it's not that. 
we are taking care of the insurrectionists. We're taking care of the white supremacists. We're going to take their guns away from these crazy white people, essentially. But here's the trick. The people who are going to be primarily the victims of the Democrats' anti-gun stuff are going to be people of color. They're the ones who are going to find themselves mostly being, and that historically is what's happened, is they're the ones who, who do the jail time for those, for those laws. Yeah, there's going to be some white supremacists who are going to get, but the, again, so the, again, the racism of the system is going, to, is going to nail black and brown people twice. They're going to get one set of the capitalist class is going to openly attack them and saying immigrants are, are you know, coming across the board and we got to have, we got to fund the police to deal with that. The other section of the ruling class is going to attack black and brown people by talking about taking the guns away from white people. That's how it works. That's how our system works. It's lies through and through. And the whole thing has to be shot, has to be seen as a lie and has to be dealt with as a lie. And in this case, the, the lies are even in the statistics themselves. At least with COVID, you can talk potentially about some statistics that make it look more like a flu. That's, those are the death statistics now. But at least you can say there's some, some things here. Here, the statistics themselves don't even say that, the, that the, the, what they are calling criminality is even increasing. What, but I will tell you, crime is on the rise. Immense crime is on the rise. And that's because Biden is in office. And we've got a black general and a black vice president and a Latino uh, board of uh, board of um, uh, board of education. Or, no, the superintendent on education or the, the director of education. And um, there's a trans person who's in part of the cabinet. You know, it's a it's a it's a woman who's uh, who's part of the uh, treasury. You know, this whole crew, the rainbow coalition of criminality is what is going to like, is, is really what needs to be fought. So that's the crime that's on the rise. And the Republicans are in on it too, but they're just playing a game of acting like they're arguing about it. And all they're really doing is figuring out how can they fool workers even more to fleece us even more this year and then the, the years afterwards. Because they have to do it because they're taking on China and Russia and Europe. And, you know, this isn't new, right? We've seen this. Uh, I would... Uh... I would give us a break, you know, or the people on the left, especially um, a break, you know, if if this was new, a new trick, but this has happened before, you know, where they 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 uh, they start the narrative, they use the apparatus of propaganda of the U.S. machine, they start the narrative about criminality, uh, and often straight up racist. I think now they're learned their trick to be more, you know, equity, equitable, inclusive, and all this rhetoric. But regardless, it's still racist, you know, and, and sexist and all these, you know, isms. Um, and so again, we've seen this trick. We, they're feeding us that same trick again, and there is no response. You know, quite the opposite. We're buying into this, you know, and and especially, you know, it feels very hypocritical after BLM, right? And how we've been moving, shifting, and herding, you know, you know, a sheep, you know, into the, the slaughterhouse, you know, especially, you know, people from our communities, you know, upsets me that, you know, we, we are being narrowed and pigeonholed into just thinking about race, you know, and, and you know, we are going to pay the consequences of this. And, and also, look, I see what you were saying, Eduardo. There is, you know, there is 
a different type of interaction. There is a different type of violence that happens in poor communities. I grew up in some of them, you know, in, in Guatemala and, and basically the, in a very marginal community, the butthole of society. But I was, I was always more afraid of the cops. I, same here. I'm still more afraid of the cops than I'm a, of some dude randomly shooting up stuff, you know, because they can destroy my life. They can kill me alive. They can make me a slave of the state, you know, by accusing me of something, you know, tell me that's not violence. Tell, tell me that's not death, you know. They can, they can strip me away of my, being a member of this society at any point. You know, by, by, by this petty crime bullshit. You know, and guess what? Crime happens in violence. There is violence, constant violence in the wealthy houses too. Like the violence that you, you know, people are worried about. That shit happens all the time. They just covered it better. Rapists, they're in office. They're, they're presidents. They're fucking CEOs. And they use this narrative of, oh, the police needs to focus on rapists. It wasn't one of the articles. You know, if the police, you know, if there is more funding for, you know, healthcare and this and stuff, then the police can focus on the rapists and the violent criminals. You know, the violent criminals get a license. You know, they get to go rape and, and pillage abroad. You know, and the intellectual, uh, you know, uh, creators of this crime, they get rewarded handsomely for being violent. And so again, I just invite people to rethink, you know, and add dimensions to the way we understand violence. You know, and, and that's what concerns me that we are buying this again and there is no response, you know. And again, that sequence just is so scary, you know, abolish the police, defund the police, fund the police. It, it happened with ICE as well. Ocasio-Cortez made a career out of that shit. You know, these tricks, they're not new, you know, they're in front of us. And, and so, you know, and then the audacity to, you know, try to pass the George Floyd um, policing, uh, what is it? The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. You know, and to pretend they care because they want to make sure those bad apples, you know, that's how they frame this narrative, that it's just some bad apple. You know, that if we just give them better training, then it'll be fine. The, the, the institution of the police, again, is monopoly on violence. They're not there to, especially in the U.S., look at the statistics. The U.S. Is the most, has the most violent police force of the world. You know, it's not, it's not even, we, can, we shouldn't even frame it as that's their solution. That's their tool. It's not a solution. They're not trying to solve shit. Correct. They're just trying to use these to clamp down on the, that we are subjected to that we don't see i guess my my contribution to i mean a lot of what both of you say i agree with so i i guess my contribution is just is to just that i i do think that it's nuance i do think that the violence that exists isn't isn't um isn't uh, grouped alongside the violence that exists from white collar crime or from the crime that is committed by politicians or that is committed by the wealth, the wealthy. So I, I'm in complete agreement there. Where where I think, I, I just, I think where I'll take this is just, and here I might be stretching it. I'm not sure. Maybe you both can tell me if I'm if I'm stretching it. I just I also think that 
I saw a lot of young people when I was going to Oakland and a lot of young people riding the trains on BART. And there were a bit of scuffles, a few that I saw. Uh, and I also remember hearing a bit of the local news about how there have been an increase in like um, robberies on BART on the way to Oakland. And I think about the young people that I see and, and sat next to in the last time I was there, which was in uh, Saturday. And I think of the reopening of schools and I think how, so this is where I'm, this is where I'm taking it. I think of how it's not that I think schools were safe necessarily for our black and brown children or just our kids in general. I, it, under the system that we were in, it's that I think our institutions are places of the revolution, right? Like there are places where our kids could come to, to be under guidanceship or to be amongst other fellow adults and what we can create in schools. It's a place, it's a hub. And the closure of schools doesn't contribute to anything. It didn't create any safety. And our kids who when you have adolescents, especially if you have kids in very poor areas, in small enclosed areas that are not going to stay indoors because of the pandemic, you know, they're not going to stay indoors, especially my community isn't going to stay indoors. They're not necessarily the ones that are going to stay indoors. What's safer for them is going back to school. It wasn't safe to be out of school. So I think what makes me upset is, is that the entire time that we were of the movement that we were on the left, that we were struggling and organizing to have schools reopened or not, the whole narrative of why we were supposedly closing school was because we're trying to be safer at home. And so this is where I'm just saying, I just think the school should have been opened. I think that our kids need to be uh, in a place where they can they can grow and thrive and and not not again it's not that i'm talking about the standardized top down notch a standard way of learning i'm talking about places where they can co-congregate and have a safer place to be at and that unfortunately was taken away from them and of course violence is going to peak so that's where i i feel frustrated disappointed upset and I know a lot of my friends who are going to listen to this are just going to get more angry with me by saying that. Uh, so I'll leave it there. Danny, you want to go? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not a teacher like you two, nor a I'm not either. Uh, but, you know, what you just mentioned is like, yes, you know, like we, we've discussed here how schools are not even safe to. The, we, the way schools used to be, they're not even safe, right, to create these free, uh, well-rounded individuals. They're there to normalize you, to prepare you for theft, to prepare you to, you know, and in, in, in sort you through a system. So I, I do think, especially kids from poor communities, they have a lot of anger. I, I, I agree, they're frustrated. Why wouldn't you? You know, your parents, you know, your, your parents, you know, are going through hell to, to survive, you know, you live through the precarity, you live in a shitty condition, you know, then, then you, 
they wave in front of you, right? That's why I, I, I kind of dislike reggaetoneros, rappers, because they are doing the beating of, of this class. You know, they, they are presenting to our kids, you know, what we should aspire to, right? And, and so these kids are waved all these nice things in front of them, right? And so why wouldn't they steal some shit? Why would you, what would you, what you go to your minimum wage job and just keep dreaming about this shit? You know, why wouldn't you be angry? And so if anything, we should tell them it's okay to be angry. Be angry at these fuckers that ruin your life, that ruin your parents' life, you know, that, that are robbing you and accusing you of being violent, accusing you of being criminal, you know, and criminalizing you and stripping you away of so many, you know, so much dignity. So yes, they, they should be pissed. And, and, and then, you know, we dismiss them as just being angry and irrational. You know, this is the same narrative that we use, you know, about the countries that the U.S., you know, has constantly, you know, under target. This is the same narrative. It's not that different to me. We accuse people of being violent because they're responding to violence. You know, that someone said this quote, you know, that for the oppressor, peace is the absence of a response to their violence. So, you know, I don't see any way, you know, of, of solving this, no reform, no one, you know, institution of doing away with this unless we do away with the precarity that this system creates, the violence that this system needs to use to create and maintain that precarity so we're desperate enough to sell ourselves. So I agree with you, Eduardo, that this also brings up schools for me. Um, and like Kenny's getting at, we, and I think you acknowledge this, that the old schools of the old system were a trap and the new schools of the remote system are a new trap and a worse trap, but still a trap. Like this is the situation the kid, our students are finding that caught between old normal trap and the new normal trap. But the thing that they were, that was stolen from them from this year was their ability to be with each other and, and the alienation and the, the civility that that brings, the, it actually makes you more human to do that. So our, there was a lot of humanity stripped from us as workers as we were kept separated to our students, to us who, who didn't get to be in our, in our workplace together. To, we are not allowed to congregate in parks. We weren't, couldn't have, you know, like you couldn't have a certain number of families and places and all that kind of stuff, right? And having to wear masks, saying we, you don't get to see your face. Um, and all these things were, were de degrading to us and were destructive to us as, and so there is, I do believe there's a lot, there's a, been a reduction in civility of workers and students that could be claimed to be called, I don't want to call it crime because I, because it's, it pales in comparison to the crimes that have been put against us and that are put against, like, that's my, that's my struggle at that, at this moment. Um, but I agree with you, Eduardo. I do think we have to return to the schools as like to remember what has been done to us. And that ha there's gonna be a price for that. And we're gonna, I think some of us who go back into the classroom are gonna feel that price as our students struggle to, to figure out what to do with each other, you know, having been kept apart for a year. Um, the thing I would say, one thing I wanna say, Kenny, in, in, in response to saying that these, the Black Lives Matter wrongly put the focus on race or something like that. That's maybe the way I heard it. I don't think their fo their focus was race. Their focus was the Democratic Party. 
and in the and then their focus being the Democratic Party, they they had the stand-in for race be representation. That's and that's where identity politics comes in, because I don't believe that the people who the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement they can make words about racism, but clearly they don't care because they are not saying a thing about Biden re refunding police. They're not saying anything. So clearly it was never about racism for them. It was about something else. And I would say it's about representation. Um, and representation, well, do, have you folks heard about what's called the, the Black Boardroom Initiative? Do you know about this? So here's what it is. This is what Amazon and Starbucks and Facebook, I think. Let me see who, I got to get these names right. Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft and, it was, and other companies all agreed that in the coming years that they're going to triple the number of either black or part people of color in their boardrooms. That's, that is right there is the fruit of George Floyd's murder in the Black Lives Matter. More black people or brown people or trans people or women in the, in the capitalist boardrooms. Because it's happening. They're, they're going to triple the number of people in those boardrooms. And that is not about racism. That is what people call optics. And optics are a nicer way of saying lying to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to put up this lipstick of, of diversity while we create a wealth inequality and use that that lipstick of diversity to cover the greater wealth inequality that's going to actually make lives worse. Yes, for white workers, but it's going to actually be worse for immigrant workers and black workers more than white workers. That's how, that's how capitalism works. It, it needs to separate those workers so that they don't experience the same level of oppression. Right? So the representation is going to be used as a cover for deeper racism. And there was a, um, a book that was put out by this dude, uh, let's see if I get it. Um, e. Franklin Frazier wrote a book called The Black Bourgeoisie. And he wrote this, in the 1960s, there were 25 black millionaires. The, that number since that time in 1960 has grown 60,000 times. There are now 1.5 million black millionaires and seven black billionaires. My question is, has the lives for black people improved as a result of a 60,000 increase in the number of black millionaires? No, it's gotten worse. It has gotten worse. So more representation of elite black, brown, Muslim actually means it, it guarantees a greater divide in wealth and it guarantees more racism in the, in the, in the system. That's all it delivers. And just as a way of highlighting it, um, the Credit Suisse Research Institute revealed, this is in 2020, that the, essentially it was asking how many, how many people who, make, who, have, who have $30 million worth of wealth, wealth were created. And in the United States, uh, 30 millionaires, basically people who have $30 million of wealth or more, that number of people increased to 21,313. And no other nation has even 10,000 30 millionaires. The United States increased this number to 23,000, and there's not another nation on the planet that has 10,000. And they get away with it because they got the Democratic Party, because they have identity politics, representation politics, and because we've created 60,000 more 
uh, black millionaires. And that's part of this structure. And they're going to use, they're going to now use the def the refunding of the police and really the refunding of the FBI to, to ensure greater surveillance, greater pressure on workers, and um, make it so that when people again try to fight back, they have the capitalist class has more in place to make sure they can. You know, I, I just happened to listen to this podcast today. Of, of, it's from Rev Left Radio. You know, there's uh, someone there who's very good at, um, uh, I guess, um, sifting through Marxism, Marxist ideas, but I think in its application, the left has got a lot of things wrong. Like in, in applying Marxist analysis, you know, they were discussing how basically insinuated that LeBron James, having come from a, you know, lumpian proletarian background, you know, like the you know, lower strata of the working class, he would, in a revolution, side with the revolutionary class. I'm sorry, but LeBron James ain't gonna give up, you know, his generational wealth that he's making right now. LeBron James is an agent of the bourgeoisie. He is bourgeoisie. You know, LeBron James is doing the beating on the state by playing this, you know, identity politics stuff. By representing the U.S., you know, in, in, in you know in, in the U.S. flag, you know this most violent nation, you know who's done so much damage to to black communities, but he got his. So I'm sorry, I'm I'm putting my trust. If I was betting, I'm putting my trust on some someone racist, you know, trucker from Alabama, than LeBron James or Oprah Winfrey or Jay Z or Beyonce or Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice, especially not our vice president, Kamala Harris. You know, so let's get this right. Like, you know, wealth is wealth. And, and so we have more in common with those people that are struggling. And, you know, here we are bickering about race, you know, as if LeBron James is gonna suffer the policing that someone from, you know, the Bayview here will do. I I just will say that <laughs> I agree that this whole, you know, black women in power or black people having more wealth or we need to have more people of color, you know, be in uh, in, in government. It just I don't see how that that is going to help out this leftist movement or the movement um, to be able to have a more um well, however we, wherever we take this, this revolution, whether it be a socialist or more of an anarchist, however, but I don't see how anti-capitalists can support that because if we see even Kamala Harris went to Guatemala, you no, know, and was saying, "Don't come." I mean, from one person of color saying to other people of color, telling them, doing the bidding of the U.S. the U.S.'s work to tell with strong words, poor people to tell us Latinos, right? Something that I don't know if could have been said by a white politician, but because she is a black person and she is a person of color and she is, you know, supposed to be this, um, this change, this woman in power. No, she said, and she did the bidding and she said, don't come. I mean, it was very clear, right? So I, I think that the, 
our our movement, our left cir leftist circles, our the side of the left is only deteriorate, eroding, deteriorating itself with this sort of framework. Uh, the framework of the identity politics is just it's like slowly just we're going to have nothing because we're just we think that that's the answer the solution to no yeah and and i would say not just that it, those kinds of things were said by the last administration and they were made claims of they were called racist dog whistles for doing it and, and so kamala harris gets a free ride for doing it it's it's a racist dog whistle from her then as well so it doesn't change like it's the same tune just a different gender and a different skin tone and 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 I'm not just saying that 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 that's a trick that that makes hurts the socialist cause or the cause of revolution I'm actually saying that taking a section of black population and making them millionaires and billionaires comes at the expense of the masses of black people in this country it means that they are going to be immiserated yeah, white workers are going to be immiserated. Anytime you create millionaires, that's going to happen. But the the enrichment of just a few elite black people being used as a cover for the rate to hide the racism that's in society creates a, the the conditions under which capitalism can use even can do deliver even greater attacks on black and brown workers because they have that cover because they have those people to to say no, we're not racist. Look, look at our democracy, and it also gives them the cover for doing their mischief, you know, uh, across the globe and talk about these other dictatorships. Whereas we have this wonderful democracy that uh, believes in diversity. So it's the, it's all, it's all a complete sham to hide a very wicked and, and evil cabal of people there at the top. Um, and the Republicans and Democrats are united uh, in, in playing this little game with us. Um, and, and unfortunately we're falling for it. I will say I was encouraged by this guy, um, pastor Mike, uh, who made a, he, he talked about the New York, he was talking about the New York mayor elections. And he said, my biggest fear in this moment is, a, is a tough on crime national and local effort with a black face on it. And that's what we're getting. And he, he himself is black. And he's talking about the the mayoral race in, in, in New York. And he's exactly right to be afraid of that because that's what it means. It means that lives for black people and lives for black workers are going to get worse because we have a black mayor in New York. Eric Adams, ex-police captain. Yeah. He's not a mayor yet, but he will be mm. when he's going to yeah. be the Republican. But he's he won the Democratic primaries. What you're describing, it's to me, it's a play out of the imperial handbook. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Just grab a, a member of that community, give them power, give them access, and you know, you know, to access, to be able to reach those levels of power and influence and wealth, you have to do some sinister stuff to you know to be a member of that club, you know. And we've talked about how, you know. Uh, the bourgeoisie, the, the top, the rulers, they function as a mob. And, and, and again, you know, that's what I'm weary. Whenever I see someone of a certain community in power, prepare for an attack. 
and and I do want to also say because our channel is called What's Left question mark and there was a left that was hooting and howling about these issues back in June like Kenny was saying and they have fallen silent now so what that means is they never meant it they were lying either to themselves or to us because if they meant it then they would be saying something right now but you will notice silence so that left that was making such a noise over there and they were right to make noise. Well, it turns out they were lying. They didn't care because all they wanted to do was get Biden elected. And now they're going to stay, keep their mouths shut because they're being told if you, if you say anything about the things you need, then we're going to lose the elections in 2022. And they're, and they're going for it because their, their biggest dedication is not to fighting racism. It's not for social equality. It's not for social justice. They are, dedicated first and foremost to the Democratic Party. And I'm not talking just about officials at this point. I'm talking about anybody who was in those in those streets and who thinks it's all good now. I think the other area, sorry, I just thought of something as we were discussing. The other area that I think that I'm also going to bring up is if we don't abolish the police, if we don't fight to if we keep going along with both Republicans and Democrats line of thinking, which is what we need is more policing. If the left doesn't recognize that, the more funding there is to police, the more we're getting advanced in technology and AI and facial recognition and all of these militarized ways. I just fear that the revolution will be so difficult because of so much of the funding that is going into these militarized police um you know field the police field is just is it they're there's just advancing in the way that they are monitoring protests and the way that they are now advancing with technology amazon i think did the deal recently if i'm not mistaken no yeah and or was it Microsoft? I forget one of those two, but there was a deal that was made. I think it was first with Microsoft under the Trump administration because Trump did not like Amazon and Jeff Bezos. And then it was after that with this Biden administration, I think it's Amazon, but whatever the case, anyone can correct it on the comments below. But the thing is, it's, it's the fact that these tech companies, Silicon Valley is in cahoots with the government and they are going to strengthen that arm, that, that capitalist force, no? So, it, it's at all levels that we have to try to fight this. It's at the educational level. It's at the medical field. It's at the this this uh, abolishing the, the police level. It is it is permeating everywhere. The Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, the Internet of all these things. So I just think that going back to I think what we've also been discussing a lot of, which is what Alison has been talking about on our show here, which is we have to resist at all levels. It's not just the education. Field, right it's it's at all levels because we're just going to be controlled yep. i don't you know That's what, yeah i mean important point of the and i'm sorry and that was the that was what this was about too it was about control hope i don't want to say because we're going to get shut down again but uh let's see how i can frame this <laughs> last year showed us how much uh, control there can be left because of emergency powers given to governments to be able to control populations 
Yeah, that's how I frame it. And again, we have to think of uh, policing and fascism in a more multidimensional way beyond the narrative that is sold to us, beyond the Nazis, you know, in in the Second World War, beyond, you know, just a cop with a uniform. We have to see how we're being surveilled, tracked, uh, how we are being uh, denied of access to certain things, how behavior is conditioned. You know, we've been censored here on this, you know, platform, uh, YouTube. Um, and so, again, it goes beyond just the cops with the, with the badge, right? I will say in tying this, I guess I'm seeing all these connections. But the other thing, too, is I really do hope that the left wakes up. I don't see it right now. I'm kind of um, disillusionado. Yeah. Disanimated. Dis disillusioned. Disillusioned that the left has been complicit in allowing the vaccine passports and allowing the, con the control of the being able to data minus or to be able to infringe on our privacy rights or to be able to keep track of us the contact tracing and all of this because it's not about our safety the medical field it's about keeping a database of us and keeping us in check and having massive grids about where everyone is and that's what that is going to be about i understand that there is going to be under the name of safety but it is really oh jesus it is really being able it it it's like all this is in a bank that is going to be used then by government to be able to to really track us you know which is again i'm I, and i, I want to make the connection back to what we're discussing which is the reason why we should abolish the police because that's why our communities, our our society is going to be controlled through that data, right? That that's how people are being tracked and controlled. I would just add that to abolish the police, you need to abolish the system. You know, and you know, um, the other thing is that for so much fear that was, um, you know. Um, injected into our, our 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 world really through trump right like he's this fascist he's this fascist he's this fascist um i believe that we 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 live in a more fascist world not just us a most fascist world and it's been delivered by the liberal progressives yeah, yeah. i mean um I, this one eduardo uh there was a guy who wrote who recently watched our episode about the elections in Spain with the election of Vox. And I hadn't followed that. I mean, you might've followed it, but I don't know, but the guy was basically saying that things have really changed for the, taken a turn for the worse in Spain um, since, since the election of that party. Um, and uh, I couldn't speak to it, but he was like, yeah, they're bringing fascism here. And it was interesting because he had read, he had, he basically was li listening to our episode we had done a year ago. Hmm. And I, Kenny, were you with us when we were doing, when we were talking about, I can't remember if that. If you Spain? Were yeah. Yeah. There has been a shift in the tide. Yeah. But I, it, it, it backs up what it, what Kenny is saying. And, and I appreciate what you were saying, Eduardo, 
because I do think you were kind of getting at it, it's bigger than abolish because you were saying you have to we have to, it's about health care it's about education it's about the police and that is the situation you there is no this cannot be fought on a single front it's it's going to be multiple areas that we're going to have to make yeah and I, I mean I was I was yes I agree I mean I hope that the passports was the link right because I think that that is going to be the way that people are going to try to criminalize us if we step out of line and that that information of us is really being just willingly given by people through this whole um trying to find the right words here so we're not being edited out of this. Uh, let's see. Let me just think of a good way to say this. Through you see, you're in your worst condition already. <laughs> trying to keep this available for people. Uh, through under the guise of safety, right? We're giving out information willingly. Here, take my information. Take screenshots of me. Map me and grid me. and <laughs> yeah. You know, which will then be used you know, on this. So... Anyhow, that's where I, I, I think I'll leave it at for myself. Yeah. I'm good. And Kenny, I think this was a good good topic. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep this part when I'm asking, but uh, are we up for taking that? Remember, Kenny, you had suggested maybe we were going to do like Afghanistan. And what do people think about carrying on into U.S. imperial? I think it should be about U.S. empire. Like, or not just Afghanistan, but like the Biden administration, what talking about elements of the plan of, you know, what we see going on. What do you think about that? I think the Taliban has taken over a lot of districts in Afghanistan. <laughs> but I'm just saying. There's a lot to discuss there. Do you we think, want to take it there. Do you want to keep it just in Afghanistan then? Or can we, can we go in? Or, or gonna, we, I think it's going to open up. Like, okay. Yeah. Like we did but today. I definitely want to cite one of the New York Times like phrases that the Taliban seem unreformed. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Um, What's Left is a weekly political podcast as channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnote.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast last channel there and connect with us. Uh, I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please share your favorite episode, rate, review, turn on your notifications and subscribe to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, Lib, Libri, L-B-R-Y, O-D-Y-S-E-E, or YouTube and Telegram. Um, and if you would like to give us feedback, feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca with Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson. We'll see you all next time.